if you're looking for a podcast to break down the intricacies, the use of color and shadow and shape in the works of Pablo Picasso, Paul Gauguin, and Victor Van Gogh. Victor Van Gogh. You mean Vincent Van Gogh? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, what? Well, it's pronounced Van Gogh. But it's Vincent, not Victor. Yeah. See, clearly, this is not that podcast. So much not. This is, however, comedy. Tragedy. Marriage. Welcome to Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage, a podcast where each episode... A longtime married couple takes turns uh, selecting a movie, TV show, or documentary to watch. We watch it together, and then we sit down together and discuss why we liked it, loved it, or loathed it, and then share that conversation with you. I am Stan the Movie Man. I review films at StanTheMovieMan.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at MovieManStan. You can follow the podcast at CT Marriage. You can uh, get in touch with us via email, comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com. You can, of course, also send us suggestions for something you think we should watch. Tell us what it is and why you think we should watch it. Send that to comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com. And, of course, we would greatly appreciate it if you would give us a a like, five stars, a review on whatever podcast platform you use. Joining me as always is my my precious other half. Precious? Precious. Um, I'm Maud the Birdie Broad. Maud the Birdie Broad. Because Robin. Oh, oh. A stretch on this week. Sorry, I do what I can. It is. It was my choice this week, and to uh, continue our famous dead people series that we seem to be sort of in, uh, I have selected Robin Williams' "Come Inside My Mind." It is a 2018 documentary uh, that you can stream on Max. Uh, it, of course, has Williams and several of his contemporaries, as well as family members. Uh, his uh, one, uh, one of his ex-wives. His, his first wife. Yes. Um, and his oldest son. Yes. Uh, and it, uh, it uh, came, as I said, came out in 2018. Um, it wasn't released theatrically. It was, however, shown at the Hamptons International Film Festival Summer Docs. Uh, it also screened at the Nantucket uh, Film Festival. It was first broadcast on HBO on July 16th, 2018. Um, it is, as I stated, the story of Robin Williams, his childhood, his uh, uh, somewhat strange family a little disjointed a little disjointed uh, because he had two half brothers one was his father's from another marriage and one was his mother's his mother's from, from another, another marriage. marriage it's like his hers and ours yes 
uh, his father worked in the automobile industry and traveled a lot and they lived in this very very nice house um, and then he got transferred out to California uh, specifically in the San Francisco area and that's sort of where Robin sort of grew up into adulthood and uh, he was uh, you know in college and he discovered uh, drama um, or he discovered acting and he also discovered comedy improv and um, he he was, of course, as we all know, a terrific improv artist um, because oftentimes, as one of the people in the special says, um, he would work on a, a new special and hone it and craft it and uh, he'd have you know 75 minutes of material um, and then when he actually went on stage to either record his special or to cut his album, um, the guy said there was like 25% of it that he had never heard. Yeah. That was just coming up off the top of Robin's head. Uh, of course, Robin got into movies. Um, uh, his initial <laughs> appearance in a film, or as the lead anyway, uh, was a, a, a film that was ill-advised probably from the very beginning, Popeye. Not good. Where he played the title character. A Robert Altman movie of all things uh, you don't you know put Altman in the category of people doing pre-existing IP um, IP intellectual property oh, okay, uh, gotcha. especially something like Popeye which is goofy but not the man who did 2001 um, or uh, eyes wide shut eyes wide especially eyes wide shut uh, or any or Nashville or oh Eyes Wide Shut wasn't um, that was Altman Kubrick. it was Kubrick yeah um, and um, you know he it, it didn't go well but he he had been on the TV show he had been discovered in a comedy club uh, actually he'd been discovered telling jokes on the street uh, for money that would be thrown into a hat and. Um, they were looking to put a spaceman on Happy Days because Gary Marshall, the creator and producer and sometimes director of the show, uh, had a kid who liked Star Wars, and he wanted to see a spaceman on Dad's show. I'm not watching Happy Days because it's no spacemans in it. Exactly. So, uh... This, this guy that worked with Gary Marshall said, I've seen this uh, comedian that works on the street and he has a hat in front of him and uh, Gary Marshall said, you want me to audition somebody who tells jokes on the street for money that people throw at him? And he said, yeah, his hat's pretty full. It's a really full hat. So uh, he he does go see him. He, he does... He is impressed with him. Uh, he has uh, Mork uh, on Happy Days as an alien visiting Richie what, Cunningham's. Uh, yeah, Richie Cunningham's uh, Richie house. Cunningham, Richie Cunningham's house. And from there, they spun off 
Bork and Mindy, which was for at least three or four of the uh, six seasons it was on was a huge hit. Uh, it started to decline in part because, um, well, it's hard to do a sitcom every week and it be funny, consistently funny, even with Robin Williams. And he was also getting into a lot of drugs and alcohol uh, at this time, um, specifically cocaine. And he, you know, was uh, hitting, he, he would shoot the show and then he'd go out and go to the clubs, go to like multiple comedy clubs. And do stand-up. And do stand-up. Into like the wee hours of the morning. And then party with his friends, friends that included John Belushi, um, and use drugs with them. Uh, cocaine was his drug of choice. Then and, catch a nap and... Uh, then, well, maybe. Maybe. Uh, and, and then go back to the TV show uh, and do it all again. Uh, when Belushi died of a drug overdose, uh, that's when Williams decided, maybe I need to stop doing this. Uh, it was also taking a toll on his uh, creativity and on his... Uh, even though his wife was kind of okay with it because that's just sort of what went with the territory. That was the culture in that time. She was also okay with him, his philandering. Um, but if she's okay with it, who am I to complain about it? Um, but they did eventually grow apart uh, and get divorced. And despite what you may have read at the time in the tabloids, uh, he did not start an affair with the nanny who was taking care of his kid. Um, the he, marriage broke up and then the relationship with the nanny started. Yes. And that was from his ex-wife yeah. saying that. Um, so he had one son, Zach, with the first wife. Mm -hmm. um, that marriage dissolved and then he had hired... Um, the nanny to like go on tour with him, be his personal assistant, that kind of thing. And a relationship between the two of them just blossomed. And then he had two children with her, yes. his daughter Zelda and his younger son, Cody. And um, there were, their marriage lasted for quite a while. He, he also, you know, is starting to do more movies Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the world according to Garp. I was very, like, I was hoping that they would say something about that movie because it, it you took me to see it when we were dating. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was <sighs> comic but not. Yes. I haven't read the book, mm -hmm. so I can't really, um, but the movie was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, I remember being... A little confused by it again because of the it's funny in places, but then it's very tragic in places. Yeah. Um, it's where where I also met Glenn Close for the first time. Yes, um, and I don't know that I knew who John Lithgow was either. But um, in the movie, he was Roberta Muldoon. Yes, a former professional football player who had undergone a sex change. Um, and there's a very funny joke in in the movie that he delivers, but I I shan't. 
I wouldn't be able to do it justice, and I probably shouldn't talk about exactly what it is he tells the joke about. World According to Garp came out in 1982. Yes. Popeye was 1980, and it was bad. It wasn't good at all. It was another Shelley Duvall joint where you want to stick a fork in your eye. Well, you know, I don't know that that movie has developed like a cult following or anything. Uh, the cartoons, you know, were short. Um, so, you know, Popeye gets in a fight with Bluto, Bluto beats him up, and he somehow, Popeye gets a hold of some spinach as Bluto's running off with olive oil, and then uh, he eats the spinach and beats up Bluto and saves olive oil from the mean man. Um, that's the basic plot of a lot of these, the ones that aren't. Uh, overtly racist but I don't know why anybody thought that that was that a good idea would translate good. to a two-hour movie well Altman was weird anyway he was so I think that fair um, amount of acid involved in that I, I that would explain it as well as anything um, mash is probably the most approachable thing he ever did well, I, I'm, I haven't seen a ton of Altman, but I, I do like MASH. Um, As we talked about it on the podcast. Yes, we did. A couple of years ago. Um, so I would, you know, I, I would need to d dive deeper into his OVU. But there are things that, you know, people say are... Um, uh, classics like Nashville, which was nominated for Academy Awards, mm. um, and 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 more of his films. Um, so, but still, anyway, a cartoon movie is a weird thing for Robert Altman to have ever done. Yeah, that and the fact that the foam arms they had on Robin Williams, because you know Popeye's Popeye classic has the shape, big, these the big giant forearms. forearms they were made out of foam, and a lot of that movie takes place in water. And mm. he nearly died. Trying <laughs> to wag those arms him, around. They were weighing him down. Um, it, uh, it, it's just a, it's a bizarre selection. It's a weird piece of business. For, not so much for Robin Williams, but, you know, for Robert Altman. Um, uh, and apparently, Popeye was not his his first movie. <laughs> There's a low budget comedy called "Can I Do It Till I Need Glasses," which <laughs> strikes me. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, strikes me as maybe one of those uh, Kentucky Teen. Fried movie type of movies. Lots of short vignettes, mostly about sex, blackouts. Don't I, I don't know for sure. But, That's funny. Uh, what, what year uh, was that? That was 77. Okay. He, he was, however, in Popeye in 1980. Yeah. Uh, which is his first leading role. Um, and then, in 82, made The World According to Garp. Mm-hmm. And it was, aside from some bumps in the road, like Club Paradise, um, and, you know, there was some movie where he was playing a, a a guy from high school 
he was a football star or a football player in high school and they get the team back together to after 10 15 years however mm-hmm. long and play the team they lost to in the championship game okay I, I can't remember the name of that movie but uh yeah i mean he was he was in uh, good morning vietnam um uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, of course. Patch Adams. Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. Dead um, Poets Society. Yeah. Awakenings, which is a great movie. It killed me at the end, but it's a great movie. Haven't seen it. Yeah, he plays he plays a real person, Doctor Oliver Sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was treating people who had gone into persistent vegetative states. Mm-hmm. Because, but they would still react to stimulus. Like, you know, they showed a clip in the where movie he's where throwing he'd throw, a ball. throw the ball and they would throw it back and forth and catch it and throw it to the next yeah. person. And he, he found um, a drug that would bring them out of their stupor for a little while, but then eventually by the end, they all returned Retreated. to the catatonic state. Yeah. Um, De Niro was in that film. Yes, he was. Um... I personally like the the movie Hook, which is about a grown-up Peter Pan who's forgotten who he was. Mm-hmm. He's in the real world. That's where Julia Roberts is Tinkerbell, right? Yes. Okay. It's um I I believe that is Steven Spielberg. Uh is the director of that. That sounds right. Um and I personally like it. I, I know it wasn't a huge commercial hit or um, anything like that, but uh, I, I I enjoyed it. Um, but uh, yeah, he he made a, a large number of movies in a fairly short period of time, and um, you know, and then as careers do, they sort of flatten out a little bit but he needed a break he needed to stay home of course his second marriage fails um and then he gets married a third time um and and you know he had a short-lived tv show um with sarah michelle geller mm-hmm. um where he played her father, and it was something about a law firm or an advertising agency or something along that line. And Pam Dauber came on and, and did a guest spot on it. Mm. But she noticed that he wasn't... Himself. Himself. That she said he looked waxy. That um, the, the, the spark was gone in his eyes, and, and he wasn't as quick as he had been in Other the people past. noticed the change, too. Yes. And... While at first he said, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, turns out he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. He was being treated with drugs for Parkinson's disease. But what it turned out he actually had was Lewy body dementia. Um, now, I'm a little bit dodgy here because I was thinking that um, he became aware of the misdiagnosis um, and that it was changed to Louis body, and then shortly thereafter was when he died. Well, 
I'm a little dodgy on that too. But it was confirmed upon autopsy when yes. they dissected his brain. Yes. That was when Louis' body was confirmed definitively. Uh, w when he was told, um, or when he, when he was told uh, that that's what it was. Um, but I remember, and it wasn't in the documentary, but I remember hearing somebody that worked with him on the third Night in the Museum movie. Uh, as like a makeup person or wardrobe person, I forget which, but he would sob in her arms at night because he said, I can't remember my lines anymore. Mm. And he was, you know... Losing himself. It is, yes. Um, and it, that particular type of illness, whether it's Lewy body or Alzheimer's or any other of the dementias, dementias. is particularly cruel, especially for somebody whose mind was as quick as Robin Williams. Uh, you can watch his specials and or see him working in a club. They, they, had, they have a lot of uh, specials and uh, club video of him and you know as the guy said 25% of his bit I had never heard before um, but there are times especially when he's doing crowd work you can tell a lot of that stuff he's just coming up oh. with off the top of his head now a lot of people complained about his comedy in that he, he did the same sort of uh, riffs and just sort of throw off lines a lot um and that may be true, but just like a lot of people use vocal crutches, if they're searching for a word, they might say, uh, or um, mm -hmm. uh, just like that. Thank and, you. And then, uh, they, they, then they move on with it. Some of, some of his standard, uh, little throwaway lines probably were him getting the next idea formulated to spew so forth made sense because i gotta think that brain worked awfully fast when oh he my was god on stage um one of the first clips they showed at the beginning of the special was his appearance with james lipton on inside the actor studio and james lipton who you know admired his guests yes. and um you know, made them comfortable and um, was, he was effusive in, in a way that he wasn't with people. And he, he's talking about the speed at which Robin Williams's brain works. And eventually he just said, what, what, what the hell's going on here? This is James Lipton. He doesn't say that. Well, and also that is one of the longest inside the actor studios that was ever shown. Um, and I'm sure they left about double or triple the length on the cutting room floor because he just... you could not be in any hurry if you were interviewing Robin Williams. He was going to riff. He was going to go off. Um, they were talking to the director of One Hour Photo, and they said when, he was on, when Robin was on set, he, he was cutting up with the other actors and the crew, and he was... You know that he just did jokes because that's who he was 
uh, he would he would riff uh, about pretty much anything, and the director let him do it, and then so once, that he could focus, so that he could get it out of his system, and then there would be this calm that would come over uh, Robin, and he would do he would do what he was supposed to. Um, that that to me is the best explanation of what kind of person Robin Williams was this uh, kid essentially who just wanted to play he just wanted to play all the time this hyperactive kid just wanted to play all the time until you tire him out and then he'll do what he's supposed to then he'll clean his room that brain on cocaine though dear god I wonder if his brain even noticed the difference I, yeah, I mean, maybe it it affected him elsewhere in his body, but his his brain, I just, I mean, okay, his his appearance is on Carson. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, Carson had to love it, and on the other hand, he had to be like, oh, God, what's going to happen now because it's Robin Williams and we can't control it. Well, and if the, you were scheduled after Robin... Oh, you, you, were, you getting were getting bumped. bumped yeah, for sure. Uh, but yes, I, I enjoyed any any comedian that could make Carson laugh, especially that uncontrolled sort of yeah. cackling that that he would do from yeah. time to time. And if and if you don't know what I'm talking about, just I think Pluto TV, a free app that streams constantly all kinds of different stuff. Go to Pluto TV, and and I think they have a Carson channel. Uh, Sweet. You, you can stream that, stream his stuff anytime. There are also, I think, um, other streaming services that you can select specific Carson um, episodes. Just Google Robin Williams, Johnny Carson. Yes. And see uh, what you come up with. YouTube is probably one of the better places to look for that. Um. Robin Williams and Jonathan Winters oh, sharing a stage. My goodness. Because Jonathan Winters had this this um childlike um off the wall twisty sort of humor that Robin Williams emulated and looked up to. I think I was watching an interview with Robin Williams years and years and years ago talking about that Jonathan Winters was one of his idols. Well, yes, and they got to work together on Mork and Mindy. Yeah. Where Jonathan Winters played Mork and Mindy's child. <laughs> because Mork's alien species, they're born as adults and they get They younger. age backwards, yeah. Um, and, you know, you probably didn't get kind of playfulness on that show because they network had to, tv they had and to, 28 minutes they 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 couldn't well uh, that's probably more like 23 yeah. um they they just couldn't put what i would really have preferred if they had this kind of thing at the time was like a pay-per-view of Robin and Jonathan Winters just sitting on a stage, yeah, uh, cutting up, uh, doing crowd work. Yeah, um, they they showed um, Winters on what was it Jack Parr? 
Maybe. Uh, and Jack Parr handed him a stick, a dowel, if you will, and he he just started did playing this whole with routine. It. He, did, he did he did bits with his stick, uh, and <laughs> Robin did something similar on Sesame Street, where he goes and talks to Elmo. Uh, poor Elmo. Poor Elmo. Uh, and, and there were some some outtakes from that because he was saying things that were inappropriate, not crude, rude, or vulgar. But not but not Sesame Street friendly. Yes. And then I think did Elmo call him by the wrong name? I don't know. Uh, he he said he mis I think he mispronounced Robin's name, and Robin laughs at him, and the the puppet just sinks down into whatever like a crate or whatever he's sitting on where where the uh, operator is and he his just his eyes are sticking up and the elmo voice says i had one line <laughs> i had one line and he got it wrong um for me robin williams was this unique incredible gift um, that I was fortunate enough to be around for. Um, he is, I think, maybe the only comedy album I've ever bought was no Reality, kidding. What a Concept. Okay. Uh, I memorized that album and would say stupid things out of context to people from that album all the time. Uh, that's that's where the uh, uh, Elmer Fudd singing Bruce Springsteen. I'm wide <laughs> in my car, and that that was. Uh, there are some dead spots on that album, but I just loved it, um, and loved you know the early seasons of Mork and Mindy, and would. You know, when something would pop up on, you know, if there was a free weekend for one of the pay stations like HBO, mm -hmm. uh, and if, if they had his comedy special on that weekend, I was definitely that's not a, doing anything that's else appointment than watching viewing. that. Yeah. And when he died by suicide in 2014, I believe. Yeah. Uh, after, I, I assume that he did that because he knew his mind was deteriorating and he just couldn't take it and figured it was better to burn out than fade away and chose to end his suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was only going to get worse. Um, and while it's obscenely sad uh, that he's gone, I think I would rather remember him the way he was at the top of his game than to have some tabloid TV show or something catch a snippet of video of him being dottery and being wheeled around or anything like that when I heard he died that was one of those celebrities that you go no it can't be him 
It cannot be him. Yeah. But it was. And then the more we learned, the but more tragic it became. The more the more we learned, the more tragic yet understandable, understandable it became. Um, oh, I get it. Oh, yeah. Me too. My father had Alzheimer's disease. and My bonus mom has Louis body as we speak. And it's a scourge. Yes. Um, uh, they need to pour, you know, I wonder how close to a cure Elon Musk's $44 billion for Twitter would have put the study of brain diseases especially since he's lost about $30 billion of that so far in the value of Twitter. Um, so that disease, that group of diseases, needs to be eradicated from the face of the earth. Um, Your lips to God's ears. And, you know, it. I was afraid this documentary would make me extremely sad but it didn't until you know until the very end um and you get bobcat goldthwaite on there talking about his friend yeah uh, and you get billy crystal on there talking about his friend yeah there's there's some very good interview footage mm -hmm. they uh, we talked to billy crystal a lot we talked to david letterman a lot mm -hmm. Um, we talked to his first wife a lot. Yeah, we had um, footage with um, talking with Lewis Black, mm -hmm. um, who Robin Williams invited to go on a USO tour. Mm -hmm. um, he's like, yeah, like Bob Hope, um, you know, going overseas and entertaining soldiers. And um, there's footage from some of the comic relief specials yeah. which were that's another thing i'm really glad um that we were around to witness mm -hmm. um it, it, robin williams was a gift and continues to be a gift because his work continues to live on yes um but he was also like a tornado in a bottle yeah like how do you how does a brain like that fit into a human i mean it's just 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 barely attached well yeah um and it it was it, it was an amazing thing to watch him work whether that was on you know, when he's riffing on Mork and Mindy or he's uh, listening to his comedy album or... Or on Carson or, on Carson or, or any, any of the specials. Or, or on Letterman. Because um, he, he didn't do stand-up on Letterman. They just talked. Because they'd known each other a very long time. Yeah. Um, and and they both shared heart surgeries. Yeah. Um, both members of the Zipper Chest Club. Yes. And it's, um, it was, it, it, I'm going to, I'm repeating myself, but it was an amazing thing to watch. It was genius uh, at work. Throughout his career. Nothing short of genius. Not, not every, not every movie was a hit. Uh, not every joke landed. Um, but the collection as a whole is just fantastic. And 
I know that I personally highly recommend this documentary. Oh heck to, yeah! To uh, anybody uh, who either likes Robin Williams or is curious about him, or um, you know has no idea who I'm talking about and wants to know more, it is streaming on Max, and uh, it's it's worth the free week. Five stars from me. Oh my gosh! Absolutely. Yeah. Eleventy flaming flaming comedians with rainbow suspenders <laughs> yeah that was sort of his shtick especially on the um um the uh, reality what a concept album he's he's wearing mm-hmm. the rainbow suspenders and i think he's wearing a button that's got like a crescent moon on it or something crescent moon face what well, whatever but uh yeah I uh, I loved him, and I am very, very sad that he is gone. He's not far. He isn't. There are plenty of movies and comedy specials and so on and so forth that exist in the ether that we can go watch. I want, it's not funny, but I would, I want to watch One Hour Photo. I do too. Uh, um Robin Williams was a gifted dramatic actor as yes, well. He, he could be serious and um, heartbreaking and um, creepy, like the dude in One Hour Photo is creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he went to a little school, you know, you might have heard of called Juilliard. Um, it, it, studied under Houseman. Just brilliant. So Just brilliant. We cannot recommend it enough. Robin Williams, Come Inside My Mind. It is on Max. What else have you been watching? Well, a couple of things, and there's a very um, thin through line. Um, I had started Mayor of Kingstown on Paramount+. Plus. Um, it stars Jeremy Renner um, as sort of a... a he's an, an anti-hero kind of thing. The whole premise is um, his family works in law enforcement and um it's it's based around a huge prison system where one side playing against the other side and jeremy renner's character is trying to keep the inmates from running the asylum and the asylum from running the town and um it's all very twisty Mm -hmm. and really good totally not for kids a lot of language a lot of violence um some some adult themes and um strong content anyway i started it forever ago and finally finished it um there were two seasons 10 episodes per season so 20 total again streaming on paramount plus um that sent me off on a search to see well what else have we got of course you and i watched hawkeye back um months and months ago Mm -hmm. Um, which was very good, and um, I'm like, okay, so what else is there? Turns out that Jeffrey, um, that Jeremy Renner um, played Jeffrey Dahmer in a movie called Dahmer from 2002. Funny bit is that um, he was not aware of who Jeffrey Dahmer was when he took the role. I'm like, what rock were you crawling out from under at the time? But anyway, well, um, young actor, he's doesn't have time to 
watch the news inside. I, I, I don't know. But anyway, the movie itself, I, I found it on Pluto, but it was also available, I think, to stream on Tubi with commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie itself was not very good. Rotten Tomatoes, it's pretty rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. But um, Jeremy Renner shows flashes of real brilliance in his performance. And he's pretty much the only actor you'd know um the the actor who plays his father is um bruce davidson who you would recognize from lots and lots of um character roles and things mm-hmm. guest spots on tv shows and stuff was it boys in the band was he in that i uh, don't know hmm. well anyway anyway he was also in the original x-men movie from 2000 or so bruce davidson yes okay um yeah, so movie not very good, but interesting to see um, an almost unrecognizable Jeremy Renner in this role mm-hmm. and um, his his commitment to some of the the more weird scenes and stuff is interesting to watch. I'm mm-hmm. glad I I'm glad I saw it. Okay. Um, aside from that, I did, you and I've watched some stuff, but I don't. Think, oh, I'm okay. I'm not proud of this, but <laughs> yeah, you know what's coming. Yeah, I'm not proud of this, but curiosity got the better of me. And late a couple of different nights this past week, um, one night I streamed um, Fifty Shades of Grey. It's not a good movie. And then another evening I streamed um, Fifty Shades Darker. Um, a little bit less bad, but mostly it's um, Dakota Johnson being naked, and um, we see you know pieces of Jamie Dornan's butt from time to time and his chest from time to time. Um, it's it, soccer mom porn. And what's the last one? Fifty Shades Freed. Fifty Shades Freed. I don't even think I'm gonna bother. <laughs> Yeah, there's some sort of murder plot or something like that. Uh, no, I mean the whole thing. I think somebody told me started out as like Twilight fan fiction, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, whatever. So yeah. anyway, I'm I'm ashamed. It was self-published on like Amazon, and it was twi- and it was the lady who wrote it, Neil James. Yeah. Um, got the i you know she was spinning it off not really spinning it off but it was suggested by the twilight series um which i no I, vampires here no vampires um I, I guess the idea of the power exchange in a bdsm relationship is um it was perhaps sort of the replacement for blood um uh, mm, maybe but to give you a look inside my brain um i listen to dan savage's savage love podcast it's about relationships and sex um and he has experts on his show and one of the experts he has is a lady named Mistress Matisse. She is a dominatrix. Dominatrix. And they 
hate the Fifty Shades movies. Uh, that it isn't a um, accurate depiction of a BDSM relationship. Uh, that it is, as you refer to it, soccer mom porn. Yeah. Um, and uh, it is unrealistic and you know if it gets people talking about it I guess that they guess that's a positive but you know that kind of dynamic in a relationship but they are very much not fans of, of those movies I can't imagine why <laughs> um, A just seen, because they're not good I have seen as much as you know walking through the living room as you were watching them um so that is the extent of my knowledge, other than knowing it's about a BDSM relationship between these two pretty people. Kind of, sort of, but not exactly, um, because it's, it, I don't know, it's yeah. just, they're not, they're not good. The books I've also heard are very poorly written. Well, duh. Uh, and the movies were not much better written, so, um, but they made a ton of money. Well, because hey, all the soccer moms are dragging their soccer dads off to see the soccer mom porn. and Or going with all their soccer mom friends. And then they go to Applebee's and, you know, get Mai Tais and whoop it up, I guess. I don't know. Well, and then there was uh, the book club with Jane Fonda and uh, all those um, older actresses that was about a book club reading Fifty Shades of Grey. That I need to see. And the um, the sequel came out mm -hmm. a month or so ago. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it as bad as it was. Uh, it just spawned more things. Eh. You know, it's kind of like people who shouldn't have babies. They just have more and more babies. Oh, God. Um. So yeah. Uh, it, mm. Again, I've not read the books. I've not seen the movies. I cannot speak to this. I only know what I've heard. Uh, yeah, the movie, the, the the two movies I sat through, not great. Not great. Not going to bother with the third one because I just, you know, figure it's going to be more of the same. Don't want to read the books at all because, like, sorry, not literature, not even, you know, decent fiction. And the sensuality did nothing for you in the movie. Eh. Eh. Dakota Johnson, I mean, Jamie Dornan's pretty. He's a mm -hmm. nice slab of beef. Mm -hmm. Dakota Johnson needs to eat a biscuit. Which reminds um, me of another thing, but it won't make any sense in here at all. So Okay, uh, you can I'll tell let, me later. I'll, I'll pass, yeah. Um, you and I watched a documentary called Burden of Proof on Max. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. It is uh, the story of a guy whose sister disappeared uh, while he was off at college and she was a teenager. She was 16, maybe. Mm -hmm. And over the years, he has come to believe that his parents had something to do with her disappearance. And he's, you know, he hasn't spoken with his parents in a very long time or in, with his father in a very long time and very rarely to his mother because yeah. he she knows that he thinks she's involved somehow yeah. covering for the dad the relationship is tense yes it is uh this woman has not seen her grandchildren in 
over a decade. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a very sort of, I wouldn't call it twisted, but the story takes some very, I mean, at first, you are led to believe, the cops believe it, um, and, you know, they seem to have, uh, the parents have seemed to have gotten hold of the original police file somehow. Um, oh, yeah, you're thinking mom and dad are hinky. Hinky. Oh, yeah. They are definitely involved in this, but mom won't give up dad. And the mom and dad have divorced years before, and he has uh, gone off and married two other people. He's been in prison also for fraud. Um, but it does not go where you think it's going to go. No, it's Byzantine. It just kind of, it keeps twisting in on itself and in on itself. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, a thread will pop out to the side like boing. And then yeah. another one will go boing. And it, it was so, um, so hard to keep track. Yes. And I'll tell you this, there is not what you would call a satisfying conclusion. No, there's not. But you do get some answers. Um, it's, it's, it is a bizarre story. and um, Fascinating, but frustrating. Yes. So that is called Burden of Proof. It's on Max. Also on Max is a strange case of Natalia Grace. I actually think this is an ID show because it had commercial breaks built into mm -hmm. it. Yeah, it might have um, been. But because Uncle Zaz doing the thing. Yeah, um, Max carries a lot of stuff from Discovery and HGTV and ID and all this other stuff. So this is the story that you may have heard about in the news of. A little girl who gets adopted. She's supposed to be Ukrainian. And she is a little person. She has dwarfism. Um, and she's supposed to be six years old. Supposed to be. Yeah. There are some question about how old she really is, though. Uh, because she appears to be having her time of the month and breasts and she has pubic hair when they give her a bath they they notice the parents knows that she has pubic hair which for a six-year-old is unusual uh -huh. um and this was it four episodes three episodes where i crashed oh yeah it's more like six episodes yeah um over the course of this uh, documentary series, you find out nothing is what you think it is. No. <laughs> nothing at all. Um, I knew something was kind of hinky when the wife uh, of the couple that adopted Natalia um, was nowhere to be found. Just still pictures. Mm -hmm. uh, so that said... Something. Yeah, we didn't talk to her at all. No. Well, actually, there was a very... It, it struck me as funny. Um, at the very end, they say, we approached Christine, mm -hmm. I think's her name. Christine, 
uh, about an on-camera interview and they just put up the words that she texted back your channel is whack <laughs> so I found that amusing so articulate yes uh, but the the husband the father the adoptive father he's a mess he is a mess he's a drama queen he is and, um, he cries at the drop of a hat and at first I thought, he's a really bad actor, but he can squeeze out some tears. And then I'm thinking, maybe he's just an emotional wreck. Uh, yeah. Um, and there's a trial. <clears throat> there's suggestions this, this little girl is actually 22 mm -hmm. at one point. Uh, kind of like the, uh, the movie Orphan. Um, and that she's standing in their bedroom with knives and she's threatening to kill them and that she put a uh, household cleaner in the mom's coffee. Try, mm -hmm. I'm going to poison you. I'm going to poison you. Um, <clears throat> and it's just, you got to see it. It's too weird. And I didn't even finish the thing. I crashed out hard. I'm having fibro fatigue so i like you know i had to tap out it's six episodes they're each about 45 minutes each you know a standard length of a tv show without the commercials um but i you know i was very annoyed by the father uh over the course of the episodes i felt like he was disingenuous a lot of the time Nothing was ever his fault. Um, but then I get to the end of it, and it's like, well, maybe nothing was his dude, fault. Dude, you poor dude. Yeah. You poor so, sad sack <clears throat> schmuck. I, I don't want to give anything away, but it is... Super weird. Super weird and engrossing, and you will be all over the place with who you're rooting for and who you think is the bad person. Uh, that is called The Strange Case of Natalia Grace, and it is on Max. Lee. Oh, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Uh, no. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Comedy Tragedy Marriage. We both highly recommend um, Robin, Robin Williams, Williams Come, Come Inside, Inside My, My Mind. Mind. Um, and this may be a little controversial. I also recommend The Flash. I thought the movie was fun. It's not good, but it's fun. Um, Which is, you know, saying that much more than any of the Shades of Grey movies are. <laughs> uh, and I know Ezra Miller is a, a problem. Uh, they have had so many issues leading up to the release of this film. Um, but... He play, they play a dual role uh, in the movie, and I thought they handled that very, very well. So it's fun. So I, and I enjoyed it. I also enjoyed seeing Michael Keaton as Batman again. Uh, we get some looks at what might have been if various projects over time 
had come to fruition, and that's all I'm going to say. But there are there the the sort of the last chunk of the movie um, gives you a look at various versions of Batman and various versions of Superman. Well, because multiverse, right? Because multiverse, yeah. and uh, it's all done with CG, but. Um, I actually enjoyed that quite a bit. Good. So, uh, it, it's not a good movie, but I thought it was fun. So, I'm giving a provisional recommendation to The Flash. So, just don't go in expecting an endgame level uh, kind of experience. That's, that's not what this is. Uh, this is a jump movie. But, I, I enjoyed it. So, take that for what it's worth. Thank you for joining us on Comedy Tragedy Marriage. We appreciate it. Give us a follow, rate, review on whatever podcast platform you choose. And if you'd be so kind, especially to focus on Spotify, if you can give us a follow there, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, if you have a suggestion for something for us to watch, uh, just send us what it is and why you think we should watch it. Send that to comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com. And who knows, your suggestion Maybe the next thing we talk about on this here podcast. Uh, I'm Stan the Movie Man. That's Maud the Movie Broad. Happy anniversary tomorrow. Oh, happy anniversary. And I love you. Love you. And until next time. Later. later.